to another episode of the Legacy Blueprint Podcast. Super excited today. My uh, my, my guest today is a three-time best-selling real estate author. Um, got some great books. In fact, did me the favor of actually sending me some of those books ahead of time. Oh, so, got there. Um, did a little bit of did a little bit of uh, scouring through there. Really, really good stuff. You can tell that uh, this guy knows his stuff. And uh, excited to talk to him. Talk about business. Talk about success. How he's gotten here. And uh, for those of you that are real estate followers that have been following us for a while, I think you're getting a lot of value out of this, uh, this presentation. So welcome to the show, Chris Prefontaine. What's up, man? Thanks, Joe. You set me up there because now I got, I got to deliver. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Got to put the pressure on you. So, so tell me a little bit about, you know, what, you know, a little bit of your background. Obviously, you've had a lot of success. You've got a lot of places. Give us the, give us the elevator you know, pitch of, of how you Yeah. Uh, prior to 08, I touched just about every niche except for large apartments. So I, I built homes and then we did a lot of that on terms, interestingly enough, without knowing it in my 20s. But then we did, uh, I bought a realty executives franchise, had the broker hat on for a while, sold that to Coel Banker in 2000. Then I started working on my own investments right around there, and I was coaching people through U.S. and Canada at that time. And then the crash, uh, 08. So I call it the, the, the debacle in my book, but that just really not only spanked us hard, but made us re-engineer what the heck we're going to do if we're even going to be in this real estate anymore. And so it took three or four years to dig out. Uh, by 12, we started redesigning the company, totally new, to buy on terms and take care of all the lessons we learned in 08. And so that's what... You know, in hindsight, it was great. It's why we're doing so well now, but it was built after the 08 crash to buy and sell on terms only. I love that. So it's funny you mentioned like when you started doing it, you didn't even know what you were doing. When I, I, I talk about all the time when I started wholesaling, they didn't even call it wholesaling. It wasn't even like a popular thing. So <laughs> yeah. it's funny how we, we, we kind of back end our way into these things and make, make sense of it. Um, so you went through the crash. That was a big piece. Let's talk about today. I mean, do you think that that crash is anywhere similar as far as effect on our industry, effect on our economy uh, with this whole COVID outbreak and, and how are your teams doing today? Yeah, that's interesting because I think it's, it's similar in some ways, but it's different in so many. Like it's a worldwide issue. It's a virtual issue. You know, all those things didn't exist in 08. And the difference is pockets right now in real estate are just steaming hot still. Mm -hmm. Whereas, oh, was a true crash, right? Yeah. So this is more of, a, I treat this as more of a curveball storm than a, than a real estate crash. That's not really what it is. Yeah. Um, so fast forward, we built this post away, as I said, but when COVID hit, that was the ultimate test. And we are just, March, April, and May consecutively, it was like three times the amount of deal flow with us and our, our students around the country. So it's weathered the storm and not, it hasn't weathered the storm. It's thrived through it. And so we're able to help so many people but on the investor front and on the buyer seller front, which is nice. 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 So you guys are doing on terms is it mostly buy and hold people trying to build portfolios, single family, that type of thing. Uh, no, the second half I teach single family. We teach single family just because I, you know, I stay consistent, but they all know how to pivot and do a multi or do this or do that. But we do all lease purchase and owner financing uh, when we buy or subject to, but that's a little more complicated. And then on the exit, we are exiting somewhere between three and 10 years with a rent to own client or owner financing. So we are exiting these, but it, unlike buy and hold or unlike maybe your niche, we do create three paydays per deal, which is pretty cool. That's what we designed it to do. So we get a payment up front from the buyer when they go in the house, pretty sizable. We get a, a little spread monthly. And then we get a big back end because we capture principal pay down. So it's, it. it's, it's lucrative. It's like 75 grand a deal for us, but some of our students are much higher. Love it. So you guys are wholesaling it to yourself on the front side to get it, to get a piece. Is that, is that how it works? 
Um, on the on the lease purchase, we're in a sandwich lease. We're between the buyer and the seller. We stay in the deal. Okay. On the owner financing, we take we own it. We take yeah. title. Yeah, and that obviously is better for a lot of reasons: accounting, long term profitability, et cetera. Gotcha, gotcha. So, so on that um, on that creative financing piece or on the seller financing piece, is it generally seller financing one hundred percent of it? Because I've, I've I've bought before where you know the seller holds back twenty five and the bank finances the difference, or you know a lot of different creative formats that way. Uh, is it mostly just one hundred percent seller uh, equity? Yeah, it's a good question because seller financing means all kinds of things, right? Yeah. Owner financing. Yeah. So we go after uh, targeted, specifically free and clear properties. Gotcha. And so, yes, they're financing the entire thing because we'll get them their price as long as they can wait. And, mm -hmm. and wait for us used to be four years minimum. Now we're going like five, seven, ten because of what's going on. Sure. And actually, we started pivoting about a year and a half before COVID. So I'm super psyched that we did because if I'm doing a, I'll give you an example, a $950,000 house on the ocean. We have a $2,500 monthly principal pay down. Well, if I got 10 years, I don't really care what the market does this and I'm getting 30 grand a year in principal pay down, you know, so it, longer terms is the answer. Smart. I love it too, because, you know, I've always said when you get into a real estate transaction, you got to have multiple exit strategies. I love that you're kind of insulating your exit strategy, right? It's like the principal pay downs there. Like you said, 10 years from now, the market could be sideways. You're still going to effectively almost have to have equity built into it at that point. Yeah, big time. So it's like, it's as recession resistant as we could possibly make it. I'll never say proof. Yep. People say that, that you can't make it recession proof, but you can, you can shelter yourself pretty well. You can shield it. Nice. So what are the big drawbacks? I mean, what are the challenges? What are the, what are the obstacles? I mean, no, no, no business is turnkey easy, right? So, right. you know, is it, is it bad tenants? Is it, you know, effectively, you know, negotiate with the seller differently? Like what are the big, what are the big hangups? Um, it's not so much on the seller side. Once you have someone that is okay with waiting for their equity, if they have any, if it's not a stress situation, it's really on the buyer side. That's where the headaches come in. When you don't, cause we've done all this, we've made all the mistakes. If you don't vet the buyer properly and you're throwing them in there. And some people teach that Joe, as you might know, they teach, Oh, you just throw a rent to buyer in there. And if they don't buy it, you get another one. Okay. Yeah. Morally and ethically that stinks, but they might get away with it legally. So yeah. what we do is we vet them out pretty, pretty strong. And if we, we accept them only if they're going to have a mortgage ready plan they can live by. So where's the headache coming? Headache comes in at like 5% of the time, two to 5% of the year. We'll have people have life events. In fact, the longer you go on terms, the more chances you have of them having a life event, death, divorce, everything you could think of that a buyer could have for a life event has been thrown at us. So that's the headache. But to your earlier point, you can pivot. I mean, there's ways to pivot, extend the deal, cash the deal out, put another buyer in. There's ways to do it. It's just a headache. Yeah. Again, creating those multiple exits, right? So like you have all yeah. these different opportunities and, and effectively you're insulating yourself with the options. Yeah, absolutely. You got it. Like during COVID, if you're doing one thing only and that, and that got a hit because some niches did, as you know, well, you're kind of cooked. But if you have all these different exits, you, I call it the transactional engineer, right? That you're, you're in a much better spot to be the expert. In fact, they need you. The, the, the market needs you. Love it. Love it. So, so, okay. So, uh, you know, you're still, are you still doing uh, Canada and the U S on the coaching side? Yeah. Canada was just an accident. So we're slowly but surely getting our foothold there and attorneys and agreements. But um, I'd say maybe 4% of our students are there. Most of them are U S right now. And what's the average student look like? Is it someone who's already done a deal or maybe they've never done a deal? Like what's your, what's your avatar that you're, you're trying to find? Uh, Pre-COVID, we have a mix uh, age-wise from 22 to 75, literally, or 78. And then experience-wise, we have some experience, mostly new. 
coming in and saying, I want to learn that. And, and then post COVID, a lot more experience saying, man, that niche kicked butt. I want to, I want to add that to my business or I want to pivot and, and do that. Um, I was in a room, you probably know the, the people and I don't remember the names, but I was in a room with like nine or 10 very large wholesalers that, that got together to learn terms. And we were the only terms was there. And they were like, wow, this is totally different. It's just a different animal. Yeah. So they're starting to grab, a lot of people are starting to gravitate over to, to look at what we're doing. You know, what's interesting about it, Chris, is I run a wholesale team. I have partners all over the country, with wholesale teams. And, you know, I find that the, the visionary operator, if they're great at understanding terms, at least, it's, it's, it's a great concept to try to get somebody across the, you know, bridge, maybe when they're having a hang up or an objection, a price, whatever it might be. Um, I think it's one of the hardest things, and maybe you can enlighten maybe some tricks and tips on this piece. It's one of the hardest things to teach your salespeople, right? Because they're in that mode of, I have to pay 70 cents on the dollar. This is it. I have to find a way to convince the seller to move forward on this deal. But the reality of it is we all, we know more experienced guys know that there's a lot of options. Maybe it is terms. Maybe it is straight cash. Maybe it's a combination of the both. How do you teach the, the sales teams underneath of the operator to, to, to onboard these processes? Yeah, most of it's going to be actually, believe it or not, in our model, VAs that do the initial call just to open the door. And then not until they're doing like, most of my students, if they, when they get to like a million a year, now they're going, okay, I need a seller specialist or some people call it acquisitions. We call it seller specialist. Yep. And then once they do that, we just put them through our same course. So usually they're not tainted by or have all this other uh, script in their head because they're coming in straight to this, you know, pretty, pretty cold. Got it. Got it. Now, are they, are they, um, uh, I lost my train of thought there. Are they now, so are they coming at them with terms first? Like that's the first, obviously on that, that whole call, that whatever it is uh, to get the seller on the, on the phone the first time. Are they saying to them, you know, we can offer terms and, and, and how do they go about that? Yeah. So yes. And then I'll give you a script. So every single property we look at is for that reason, lease purchase, owner financing or subject to, and the opening line is real simple. I, I mean, I still do calls to stay on the cusp and, I, and I'll say, hey, and it's, and it's just selective, but I'll say, uh, look, Joe, uh, I saw you didn't, you didn't sell, say it's an expired. Um, I guess you have one question for you because it saves time. If you got your price or fair market value, are you open to doing that on lease purchase or owner financing? It's yes or no. Love if it's, it. I have no idea what you're talking about, I'll explain it. If it's, I'm open, if you can get me my price, it's good. My next question is, if they have equity, can you wait for it? If they got to go buy a house for their family tomorrow, I'm not a fit because right? they're not going to get their equity up front from us. That's all. You know, what's funny. And I'm sure you get this a lot. Sometimes the secret sauce is the most simple thing, right? People think there's some magic word that's being said or something along those lines. I love how simple that is. It is. And during this, I keep saying that, but I just don't think it's going away soon. Yeah. So you all of a sudden have this mass callback of people that were kind of cocky before, like, nah, I got it. I'm going to be selling with a realtor. I'm going to be selling for sale by owner. They're just calling us in the hordes. Yeah. Because banks are making our life easy right now, right? They're, they're not financing buyers as, as much as they were. They're, they're financing them. So it's making our life a lot easier to grab properties and then to help a whole bunch of buyers that just got pushed out of the buyer market. I love the it. The market rate so high now. It's crazy. And what are you guys doing to find those buyers? To, is it a rent-to-own advertisement or how, how are we finding that traffic? Yeah, believe it or not, Joe, the hardest part of our equation or our model is the seller to get those. Once we do, the amount of buyers sitting out there on the fence right now, pre-COVID, but way more now, with down payments, ready to go, the thought they could buy elsewhere, it's huge. Yeah. It's the easiest part of the business. You, you have, some of our students have two, 300 inquiries 
because it's it's like no credit, no problem, or can't buy during COVID. You know, they come to us for that vehicle. I love it, man. I love it. And you know, I think it's so effective now, especially for our real estate listeners that are that are out there, because again, you know, we talk multiple eggs at the beginning. It's this multiple acquisition model as well, right? It's like, yeah. you know, how do you how do you figure out the best service for the seller and still create an opportunity to deal when when everybody else is just pitching a lowball offer and, and trying to find a way to create a solution for the seller with that offer? Yeah, I get that from sellers. Actually, they'll say, "Well, yeah, but you you don't want my house. It might be a nice house," and that they assume we're looking for either junkers or lowballing it. And when we say, "No, actually, we pay fair market value," and then we ask that question that I told you, their wall comes right down. I mean, the communication is so simple. How do you think? So you mentioned the nine fifty house earlier. I mean, do you obviously you're teaching all different price points? I mean, do you see a, a, a delineation? Because I think a lot of people you know, just from mindset standpoint, like they get flustered when the house is 500,000, 700,000, 1.5, like, oh, you know, and even though it's like, even in the wholesale side, you're trading paper, right? It doesn't matter how yeah. big the property yeah. is, but we've actually found internally some of the four or five, $700,000 deals create way bigger spreads and they're easier to deal with. Do you, do you guys find that in your, in your model as well? Yeah. So I'll give you a couple of examples of that you're spot on. So if our average as a family team is like 75 grand per deal, all three paydays, in the higher price ranges, like uh, student DC, student California, they're hitting deals at like 180, 250, 160. Those are big profit numbers. Yeah. So what's the sweet spot? And then, and then I'll comment on the high end. The sweet spot's like in most markets, depending on the median, right? But it, it hovers around the median. So for us, it might be 300 to 650. You know, in DC, it might be 550 to a million. Uh, so just that sweet spot and then a little room around it uh, in the median. But the higher end, to your earlier point, I find it easier to deal with, especially when they're free and clear. They get it. They're financially savvy. They wouldn't have a house that's all paid for. Yeah. It's something right. And so yeah. they, they, like my building, I'm not in it today. I'm at home because of COVID. But my building that I bought a year and a half ago, we have all our companies. We have tenants in there. That was bought on owner financing. He's very savvy. He owns real estate all over the place. Most people wouldn't approach him. And we bought an owner financing. Uh, to do it over time. Those are great people to deal with. They're not harder, they're easier to deal with in my opinion. They just know it. I'm so glad you brought that up because it was a question I wouldn't even have thought to ask, but in all the seller financing deals that I've done, it's always easier when you have a professional investor. I think mentally people think like, oh, well, that guy's a professional investor. He would never want to sell, you know? Yeah. And the reality of it is they're looking for a fixed income over a long period of time with none of the headaches. So there's oh, such a win-win for both parties. It is, and on the win-win thing, you hit that. Uh, in a lot of angles, we're doing that now because, look, I was a relative for like five of those years, as I said in my story. I mean, I was longer, but for those five aggressive years. And my son was, and he came in our business like in 2014, and he said, wow, it's so much, he called it healthier because the buyer's psyched, the seller's psyched, and we're psyched. Like, there's none of this bickering. There's no drama. and I'm not, I don't mean to poo-poo on realtors. I was one, but there's just none of that junk. Yeah. So, you know, obviously it wasn't all like rainbows and unicorns your entire life, right? You've been in this business a long time. You've been, you've become an, an accomplished author. You have a great coaching program. You have people around the world that are, or at least the U.S., North America, right? That are, that are training with you. Any, any, like, what was the biggest obstacle or, or failure along the way? Or, you know, you tried something and it just totally bombed because, you know, again, our listeners love to hear like, where's the challenge in it? And then where do we go today? Right. Well, my biggest challenge in my career to, to the earlier part of the question was certainly 08. I mean, just, just so they know, it, this sounds good, but it came out of serious pain. Like yeah. 08, we had like 22, 23 properties. They, I signed on all of them personally. I had good credits. Like I thought that's what you do. I, I was younger. 
So, okay, you sign them all personally, and then the market tanks by, one of my projects had tanked by two thirds. It was a condominium conversion project. So I could sell for 170 today, and the next month I couldn't sell for 52,000. Okay, so what happens? The banks come knocking, right? So the lesson out of that was just do not, do not, do not take out loans and sign personally. You can't do it. You put yourself at risk. And so that was a terrible uh, lesson. So that took from February of 08 to February of 12. I remember like it was yesterday to work out of all those properties and then go, how are we going to restart? Move into one bedroom apartment, restart, rebuild everything. That's what we did. Wow. That's amazing. And, and, and it's another thought that you just brought up that I didn't think about when you're, when you're doing seller financing, they're rarely going to have a personal guarantee attached to it, right? It's just a note and a mortgage. Yeah, I never do. Yeah, a lot less risk, right? Yeah, and sometimes like some good deals have come our way and the, uh, my attorney will get a call and say, oh, we're, we're missing the um, personal signature. We got it. He'll say, then we shouldn't talk about it because he's not, I'm not even going to call him. He's not going to sign personally. Yeah. So most of the deals stay together, not all. I love it. I love it. So, and then, and then what's the tremendous upside, right? So, so we know that some of the pitfalls that the economy burst, you know, what are some of your top students doing or maybe your team are doing? Is, is it, you know, getting into multi and seller financing, like where can this thing scale to? Um, it's definitely the owner financing deal. So I have one of my students, for example, where we, we revenue share, we do a lot of deals together, like a partnership, we just don't mm -hmm. call it that for legal reasons, we call them associates, but we're rev sharing. So my, my student in DC only does sub two and owner financing now, and they're all long-term deals. So like the last three he did were all over 150 grand, all three paydays. So they just, why? Because he went through two and a half years of sandwich leases and some other deals. And he said, you know what? I'm going to focus right here. And, and as you know, the more you niche, people think you get rid of business. No, you, you get more business because you're the expert in that. The niches make you riches, right? Yeah. I think it's one of my favorite saying. Yeah. No, I love that. And I think the other thing that you're kind of getting to and alluding to is the multiplication theory, right? I love that when, you know, people have experience and have knowledge. And the reason I love talking to guys like you is like, we're almost anti-gurus, right? Like there's these people <laughs> out there who do one deal sell books, start yeah, going yeah. into eBooks, God knows what. And it's like, yeah. you have no experience, right? And where, where the flip side is, I mean, I, I was in the business 10, 12 years before I even wrote my first book, let alone talked about masterminding coaching and stuff like that. And, yeah. you know, I, I think that when you have that experience, it's like, now we can multiply. Now, now you can teach others. Now you can help others. And, you know, we do a very similar thing in the wholesale syndicate. You know, we partner with people around the country, awesome. consultancy. Um, and help them scale, right? So yeah. um, I think there's so much power in, you know, having the knowledge, but really not just having the knowledge, but putting it to work with great people. Like there's that connection between great people and great knowledge. Would you agree on that? Yeah, yeah, it's a lot of synergy. So it's funny you said it takes time, like it took you 10 or 12 years. My, my wife said to me like two years ago, she said, it took you 50 years to figure this out. Like what, well, she was kidding, <laughs> but, it, but it's true. It took, yeah. it took two, two or three cycles. It took 9-11, you know, it took all this stuff to happen. Um, so yeah, I. I don't know if that answered your question, but I absolutely agree. No, I mean, no, I just think it's, you know, I think it, it makes sense when you have more of that, that back end. And, it, and I, I don't think if you ask anybody who's successful, if they were happy with how long it took them, nobody, nobody's okay, which, you know what I mean? Like, you always think it's going to be fast. It always takes longer than you think. I don't care what you're doing. It, it could be a project within our team, right? And you go, man, why can't we get this thing off the ground sooner? Just absolutely. life. Absolutely. So tell us a little bit about um, your, your book that, that you had sent to me, Real Estate on Your Terms. Is that, you know, are they going to get the education to get the seller financing piece, understand how to negotiate a little script in here? I haven't fully read through the book, so, uh, you know, unfortunately. Yeah. I mean, look, I, you and I were talking before the show. I, I'm not going to tell you you can go through any of my books and go, I got it. I can go do a deal. You could probably do a deal. I shouldn't say it, but, but you're not going to scale the whole biz. Yeah. It's going to open your eyes. I'm big on free. So instead of going to Amazon, as I said earlier, we'll give these guys a link and they can get that. 
Yep. But I want them to be able to go, ah, I get what they're saying. I get what they were saying on the show. I get what that means. There's deal structures in there. Like we break down real deals we've done. So they get the concept, the systems, how we feed it, and then, oh, here's some real deals. So yeah, yeah it's going to open their eyes and, and kind of put their toe in the water, that book. Yeah, that to me is my favorite piece is the case studies, right? I think when people are yeah. afraid to take action, then they can rely on back on, oh, okay, I've seen it, been I'm done. I know the numbers. I know how Chris did it. And, you know, then they can start to implement. You know, effectively, though, you have to take action. I think anyone listening, and like that's like my biggest challenge is when people say, I've studied, I've bought all the courses, I've gone through hours and hours of training. I'm, okay, how many deals have you done? Yeah. Done none. <laughs> you know, I've uh, had people call me weekly to that point, weekly. And yeah. say, oh, I don't know if I'm ready for your course. I bought all these courses. So, well, if you bought the course and you didn't do a deal, don't stop looking for good courses. Mm-hmm. Find one that works and then run with it. You know, we're all about doing deals, not selling stuff. Absolutely. Absolutely. And yeah, and I think that a lot of the great coaches are making more money in business than they are in coaching. Right? Yeah. That's the yeah. idea. So, um, so Chris, what do we miss? Uh, you know, we, we talked about the book, we talked about the site, the coaching program, some of the seller financing stuff. Any, 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 anything else we can cover? Uh, just for bigger picture stuff, as I'm thinking through, good, good, good kind of wrap up way to make my brain go. When you start putting these deals in the books, just, just picture this. You, you're putting three paydays in the book. So you're putting this week's money when you close it or, or consummate the deal. Then you're putting a weekly, uh, sorry, a monthly check amount in your spreadsheet. Like you have this coming in for the next three years or five years. And then you have a, a long-term payday. When you start charting those out, however you do it, piece of paper or Excel, that's pretty neat when you get like 12 deals. It's not a lot. You get 12 deals and you have all these paydays spread out. Could you, in theory, get off the treadmill for two months, three months, four months, six months, depending on your goals? Sure. And then go ahead and back at it. I remember getting to like my first 18 deals and having that spreadsheet. So I shared that and showing my wife, going, this is pretty cool because I was used to either building or flipping and that's a one check thing, you know? No, I love that piece. And I'm glad you said that. I was actually, I was talking to one of my newer sales guys in my media company today. And he was saying, you know what? A lot of what we do here, it's a very similar model. It's like you find great advertisers and they're going to continue to advertise with you. He's like, it's like gardening, you know, it's, 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 it's not rewarding instantly. You're out there, you're, you're toiling, you're putting the seeds in, you know, you're waiting for the thing to, but next thing you know, it's spring and you got more vegetables than you can handle. Right. So (laughs) like, I love the recurring revenue model because you're right. It's not instant gratification. Like a lot of people want, but when you start to build a portfolio, it's net worth, it's cash flow, all these other steps, and, you know, one of my original mentors um, always drew, he used to say, it's like a hockey stick. You know, you're going to be, you're, you're, it's going to feel flat for years and years and years. And then all of a sudden you hit this critical mass where it just kind of shoots off the charts because the multiplication and the leverage of those things start to launch. So I, I love the fact that, you know, you build that type of thing um, and ultimately it creates three different streams for you. Absolutely. That's, that's the beauty of it. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and so, um, Obviously, people know how to get a hold of you, smartrealestatecoach.com. Um, we're going to put the free book link underneath as well. Um, I'm going to put you on the spot for a second, but normally on our podcast, if we have people leave five-star reviews and actually write what they took away from this interview with you, uh, we'll pick a winner once a week and we'll allow them to, can we, get, can we get them on the phone with you for a half hour? Yeah, I'll give you a link. I'll... I'll, I'll, I'll... Uh, you want me to give you a link or is that put yeah, it too a link. We'll give them the link when we pick okay. it for you. But, but so we'll, we'll offer 50, we'll offer a half hour of your time to, to coach um, some of these people that are Happy listening. To. They got a lot out of this. Um, I effectively love the idea. We're going to talk more offline about implementing this for any type of wholesale strategy. I think it's also, it's also great because you got a lot of investors out there that are trying to make the quick cash, but this could yeah. be another piece to implement, right? Love it. Yeah, I'd be happy to. 
Fantastic. Well, Chris, I appreciate you being on the show, man. I want to be respectful of your time. It was awesome. I think you dropped some great nuggets, which are going to help our listeners greatly. And uh, of course, we'll make sure that they uh, we get them in touch. We will pick that winner at the end of the week once this once this releases, and uh, we'll get them in contact with you. Awesome. Look forward to chatting with someone live. Absolutely. Thanks, brother.